Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, believe it or not, both parties in Congress can still work together when the issue is important enough. Representative Bob Latta joins us to discuss his bipartisan effort to secure the nation's energy grid from hackers and state-sponsored cyber criminals. Also this morning, to your health, there has been a dramatic jump in cases recently with 26 states currently reporting active outbreaks. But we're not talking about the coronavirus, we're talking about hepatitis A. And we have another collection of tasty, perfect for summer recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. Today is Gorgeous Grandma Day. (laughs) Gorgeous Grandma Day. Now, there really is no need for me to go on and mention any of the other special happenings this date, right? Because you've got Gorgeous Grandma Day. What more do you need? But you also have uh, National Vanilla Ice Cream Day, National Sprinkle Day. So... Give your gorgeous grandma a vanilla ice cream sundae with sprinkles, and you got everything covered. It is yada, yada, yada day, and hot enough for you day? Hot enough for you? We get into the dog days of summer. I don't know. How hot is it supposed to be today? What are they talking about? Temperatures in the low 80s, something like that? That's not really, really hot. This weekend may be a little bit more of a scorcher, but anyway... Uh, It is hot enough for you day today, so reasons to celebrate on this Friday. So among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started, this is research out of the University of Central Florida that I think falls under the category of, duh. It says, if you want researchers have found through Uh, detailed analysis of thousands of social media posts. They have found that if you want a post, something you post on social media to spread far and wide, you want to post something controversial. (laughs) Shocking, right? Uh, The uh, researchers at UCF analyzed thousands of social media posts and found those labeled controversial got viewed, excuse me, got viewed nearly twice uh, as often and traveled nearly twice as fast around the interwebs as compared to posts not labeled controversial. <laughs> this is no shock. Is I mean, we knew this, right? I guess now we have research that backs up what we already instinctively knew. They say the finding is important as it shows that disagreement may be a powerful way to get people to pay attention to your message. The co-author of the study, Ivan Garibay, says there may be an incentive in terms of influence and audience size for a social media user to consistently include controversial and provocative topics on their posts. This benefits the person posting the messages. However, Controversial comments can be divisive, which could contribute to a polarized audience and society. So again, research from the file of, duh. Speaking of controversial things on social media, this was kind of interesting. Actor Idris Elba made a suggestion yesterday that I thought was, well, not yesterday, I guess it was earlier this week. I thought was uh, kind of interesting. He said, ID verification should be mandatory for all social media users. He says it would be a way to fight uh, bullying, uh, racism, misinformation, and so on on social media. The uh, British actor said in an Instagram post, people in the public eye get verified on social media. The process of verification requires them to prove their identity so everyone knows who is speaking. Social media companies should make this mandatory for all users. And that way, he said, like boarding a plane, you got to show your ID and people would be less likely to be incendiary online. I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting. I, I can't imagine, though, how much time and effort that would take 
to verify the identity of every single person on social media. I mean, Facebook has, what, 2 billion users? How do you verify all those? I don't know. But anyway, uh, it was kind of an interesting, uh, interesting post. Sometimes technology is not all it's cracked up to be. A Japanese-based uh, company announced last week it is pressing pause on an artificial intelligence robot it started producing back in 2014. Apparently, they've had multiple problems with this. Pepper, uh, the robot, that's the name of the robot, Pepper. Pepper, the robot, was supposed to be able to read people's emotions and converse with people. Um, one funeral business <laughs> hired Pepper to chant sutras or, or cite scriptures to mourners at memorial services. But this, I, I don't know. I If I ran a funeral business, that'd be the last thing that I would want. But uh, the uh, company fired Pepper after it kept breaking down during practice runs. So they never actually deployed it. Uh, in a real-world situation because it never got past the testing phase. And a grocery store chain in Scotland installed a Pepper robot in one of their stores, but it was fired after continually, continually telling customers to look in the alcohol section <laughs> when they asked where things were. That was its stock reply. Look in the alcohol section. <laughs> Which I'm not sure that's a malfunction because uh, that's where I default uh, when I go to the store. If I can't find something, first place I go, eh, look in the alcohol section. That's <laughs> So I'm not sure that was a malfunction, but <laughs> it was not what they expected. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. This is kind of interesting. A new study has found that men emit 16% more greenhouse gases than women. <laughs> the battle of the sexes is on in the environmental movement. Men emit 16% more greenhouse gases than women because they tend to spend more money on fuel and eat more meat, among other things. The discrepancy is attributed to what men choose to spend their money on and not because men spend more money than women overall which is an important distinction. In fact, uh, men only spend about 2% more than women in total, according to the study, which, by the way, was published in the Journal of Industrial Ecology. It is what we are spending our money on, guys. Uh, and the researchers say the expenditures are as you would expect in a gender stereotype. Sometimes the stereotypes are true. Women spend more money on health care, furnishings, and buy more food and clothes. Men spend more money on eating out, alcohol and tobacco, and more money on car, cars and fuel. Uh, this, according to the study's lead author, Annika Carlson Kanyama, uh, who's with the research company Ecoloop in Sweden. So men, because of what we buy, particularly things like cars and fuels, eating out, we contribute more to global warming, apparently, than do women. So <laughs> I don't uh, I, I don't uh, comment on this. I mean, you can make of it what you will. I'm just don't kill the messenger is what I'm trying to say. Don't kill the messenger. <clears throat> and a couple of other uh, interesting stories here. Somebody is willing to pay a lot of money. Speaking of things that guys spend money on, somebody willing to spend a lot of money for the oldest currently known bottle of whiskey. Now, this made headlines, what, a few days ago. I'm not sure if you heard about this. It is believed that this bottle of whiskey was made prior to 1865, so Civil War era or earlier, and it recently went up for auction for $137,000. Uh, Food and Wine Magazine reports the label on the bottle said it was in the cellars of John Pierpont, Pierpont Morgan, J.P. Morgan, the banker. Uh, the sale price was estimated to be twenty dollars to $40,000, ended up winning, going for $137K for the oldest known bottle of whiskey in the world. That is... That is something else. And uh, speaking of whiskey, 
I saw this story on the uh, Newswire <laughs> yesterday. You never know exactly what type of buried treasure you might find. Dieter Mueller of Barrie, Ontario, Canada, said he has been fascinated by the tale of sunken whiskey in Otter Lake. The legend goes that several bottles were lost when a neighbor crashed his boat into a dock back in 1964. Mr. Mueller says last Thursday... He returned to the lake and brought a friend and a diving expert to search for the whiskey. <laughs> he said has been underwater for some 50 years. Uh, he says the group was getting ready to pack up when the diver actually found three bottles underwater. It turns out the legend was true. They had just about given up thinking that it was a tall tale. And lo and behold, they found three bottles of whiskey, including one that was still sealed and intact. Uh, they say the uh, diver also spotted more bottles buried under debris at the bottom of the lake, and they're planning to return to see if they can find more that remain sealed. He said the whiskey was produced by the Goodman and Wartz Company, which discontinued their uh, spirits in the 1990s. So, pretty interesting find. I don't know if it'll bring 137k at auction, but interesting stuff. It's a Friday. Had to have alcohol stories. <laughs> There, uh, among the first things you need to know to start your Friday morning. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly cloudy today with a high of 81, a slight chance of a shower, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 67. The Community Foundation presented the city of Findlay with a $100,000 grant towards the new Strict Center, Regional Training Center for Emergency Responders. Mayor Mearns says the facility will benefit emergency personnel throughout the county. Our first responders deserve and need to have repetitive training. And so being able to have a facility locally that they can do so is really important. STRICT stands for Simulated Tactical Response and Incident Command Training Center. The new training facility will be located behind Findlay Fire Station 4 off of County Road 236. Get more on our website. The Ohio Department of Health's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff, has issued his most direct advice yet on the Delta variant of the coronavirus. The key message health leaders wanted to get across is get vaccinated. What we now know with the advent of the Delta variant is that you only have two choices left. Either you get vaccinated or you are going to get COVID-19. The state is still considering what precautions and recommendations to implement for schools this fall to keep your kids safe. That's ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting. Findlay City Schools says masks will be optional when the new school year begins in about a month. While some animal shelters are seeing quite a few pets that were adopted during the pandemic returned, the Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County says they are not. Operations manager Natalie Reffitt credits that to their adoption process over the pandemic when people had to fill out an application beforehand. It allowed us to better matchmake the pet to the home instead of people just walking in and kind of being like, oh, that one's so cute, I love that one. And Natalie is still highly encouraging people to fill out an application ahead of time so they can make a better match, but people can now come in and look around as the shelter has reopened. And on our website, we have a link to the page where you can see pictures of the pets that the Humane Society is trying to find a home for. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Our cover story this morning for anyone who believes that the two parties in Washington cannot agree on the time of day. Uh, some proof that both sides can, in fact, work together when the issue is important enough. This week, the House passed two bills co-authored by Representative Bob Latta aimed at bolstering the security of America's energy grid from hackers and state-sponsored cyber criminals, the CyberSense Act, and the Enhancing Grid Security Through Public-Private Partnerships Act. And uh, Congressman Bob Latta on the line with us this morning. One needs no look no further than solar winds or the Colonial Pipeline hack to understand the necessity of enhanced security to protect our energy infrastructure. Explain how these two measures would do that. Well, good, Chris. Thanks very much for having me on this morning. And it's absolutely essential because, you know, Americans are seeing you know, almost weekly that we're being hit with cyber attacks. And these aren't small cyber attacks. And we all saw 
through solar winds, or especially when we saw the Colonial Pipeline, which, you know, uh, Russian hackers were able to shut down at the uh, 45% of the oil going up in the, uh, the northeastern part of the United States. Mm-hmm. But my legislation I've been working on, on the CyberSense Act, is a voluntary program that really works with the Department of Energy to make sure that uh, companies out there know when they're buying equipment and putting it into the grid, that they know exactly that it's tested, that it's not going to have anything in there that would uh, make it susceptible to an attack. So it's important that these companies have it because, again, uh, we've been talking about, and you know, you and I have talked about cyber for a good number of years, right. but we're really seeing more and more happening. And the other piece of legislation is making sure that we're looking at, uh, you know, up, really upgrading the uh, our our grid out there on the electrical side along with it that we need to have these public private uh, public private partnerships to make sure that the our infrastructure has a coordination between the electric utilities and the Department of Energy. But uh, you know you're right. You know sometimes uh, and Jerry McNerney, who is a, a Democrat from California, I've been working on these things for a good number of years, and you know uh, we can find uh, areas that we can agree on and get things done. Uh, maybe about 95% of the time, Jerry and I are always going to take our votes are going to cancel each other out. <laughs> but these are two important issues that uh, we've worked together on being members of the Energy and Commerce Committee that have to get done. Why limit this just to energy? I mean, we have certainly seen uh, hacks involving businesses of all shapes and sizes, uh, even beyond the energy infrastructure. I mean, certainly that is critical, but there are other. Um, companies and other sectors of the economy that are also critical that have also been subject to uh, hacks and similar attacks. Well, and, and again, being a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee and also, uh, you know, working on things and being in meetings all the time, and cyber, it's almost like every other word we should be talking about should have the word cyber in it. Yeah. I know it's been probably four or five years ago. I started having cyber events in my district with the FBI and I'll never forget years back before I introduced the FBI agents who are in charge of the cyber units, I'd say, look, uh, you're probably going to think when I sit down, you're going to think, this guy's really paranoid. But I said, by the time these FBI guys get done within an hour and a half, you're all going to be paranoid. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's so important that people, it's all, you know, thinking about what they call good hygiene, making sure that employees know what to, not to open, what uh, they should be looking at. Uh, because, again, you know, companies still do it. They'll send things out saying, at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to send out an email that has this attachment. Don't open it. Mm-hmm. And then you know what happens the next morning? People go People ahead and open the yeah. thing up. Yeah. And so a lot of it, it deals with about 80% is making sure that people just protect themselves and making sure. You know, it's just like upgrade, you know, when you get upgrades from, from uh, your for your computer and your software. That's another really important area that people have to remember to do because if you're not uh, keeping your computer upgraded, that'll hit. If you have older systems, they'll get into those. And uh, a lot of people think that, well, at certain companies – that they're not going to be susceptible to an attack because nobody would want to get you know hit right, up because this is right. all we do. But they're I, the ones at the back door to allow these uh, to keep moving up the chain to really affect the entire uh, network. Then speaking of these two pieces of legislation that we mentioned, the Cyber Sense Act and the Enhancing Grid Security through Public Private Partnerships Act, I am curious. Given that all of this falls under the category of infrastructure, was there any consideration of rolling the provisions of these bills into the bipartisan infrastructure deal, making it part of that larger package? Well, you know, one of the things when the Democrats were talking about on their infrastructure side, you know, they were talking, uh, you know, uh, making sure, that, and, and what they, the way they saw it is making sure that uh, uh, we were able to get, uh, uh, you know, people connected in our rural areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is something we talked to them about, saying that, look, but, you know, this is something that, you know, again, these are going to be Democrat bills, a big structure bill. But uh, we want to make sure we got these things through, and I'm, I'm very, very happy that we were able to get it through the House this past week uh, on their own. But, uh, you know, when it's, it's important, you know, again, we've got to have uh, folks being connected because we know that during COVID, that's everything from tele, telemedicine, tele, telework, teleeducation, that uh, people have got to be connected in our rural areas. 
And that's something, again, uh, that I've been working on for a good number of years and I'll serve as the co-chair of that rural caucus to make sure that we can get this, this done for Americans. With respect to that infrastructure deal, do you believe that that bipartisan section or part of the deal will ultimately be made this week on the Senate side? There was some activity that cast some doubt in some people's minds. Well, I was in a meeting yesterday uh, at the Capitol and it was being discussed uh, with uh, one of our Senate counterparts. And, uh, you know, it sounds like that there might be able to come to some type of an agreement next week. But again, what we want to make sure is that People understand in the Democrat proposals they had come out with with the president, they're talking about not building one new road. And so, you know, in our rural areas, you might need to have a new road constructed, but the Democrats aren't providing for that. And uh, the other parts of it is, is that when you look at their overall piece of legislation, you know, now they're talking to go up to $3.5 trillion or maybe even to $4 trillion, what they're looking at that uh, we got to be able to pay this back and how they're going to pay for it. But when you're talking about raising taxes on Americans, uh, you know, we were, we were already seeing what's happened with their massive spending right now. Inflation's up. And uh, people are, you know, when you see, especially on gas prices, what the president's done and the Democrats on our energy sector out there, natural gas and oil, that gasoline prices are up 45.6% since this time last year. So, you know, when, when a lot of people think about infrastructure, we think about roads and bridges, and this is not what they're talking about, a lot of their spending. While we have you with us in the time that we have left, I do want to ask about this, because I know there has been a lot of political wrangling about the commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot. But this week, we had the first felony sentence handed down involving a participant in that riot. And I remember speaking to you on this program in the days afterward, and I believe the phrase you uh, used, having been through it, was surreal. You kind of described that day as surreal. What goes through your mind? now as the first of those rioters is sentenced? Well, you know, I think if, if for people to really pay perspective, just think uh, if you were at the Hancock County Courthouse there on the, on the corner of Main and uh, Main Cross right there, and you had people breaking into the courthouse, but people would think, that, you know, right there in Finland. And, you know, uh, you know I, I witnessed it from, because I saw it all unfold from my, from my office on the west front of the Capitol. I saw the fight fighting going on with our Capitol Police, that, uh, you know, uh, we're a nation of laws. We're in the, you know, uh, we want people to be able to come to the Capitol. But uh, what we saw happen that day was, uh, you know, nothing short of people, you know, attacking the Capitol Police. And uh, it was a, uh, as you you mentioned, it was surreal because, again, when you saw it happening, that this looks like, uh, you know, you go back to uh, our history that, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the the Capitol is open and accessible to the American people. Unfortunately, that awful fence that had been put up around the Capitol for all those months finally came down last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was down, when we were having votes this week, I, I walked across from a meeting over, and I thought to myself, this is the first time yeah. since uh, that fence went up that I was literally able to walk in from the east front of the Capitol building as a member of Congress and not having to go through all these checkpoints. So, you know, we want we want the Capitol to be totally accessible. We want uh, people to be able to enjoy it. I mean, it's great to see uh, people there with their families uh, there this week again. So, I, you know, I'm encouraging everybody to come back to Washington. And because the, the nation's, nation's capital is their capital. Yeah, that's the site that we want to see, uh, not what we saw on January 6th. Again, uh, Congressman Bob Latta with us this morning. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks very much and have a wonderful day. From the health and medical file this morning, there has been a dramatic jump in cases of late. Currently, 26 states are seeing active outbreaks. 
We're not talking about the coronavirus, however. We're talking about hepatitis A, which is a highly infectious virus that attacks the liver. More than half of those who get it need to be hospitalized. Joining us with more information to protect your health is Dr. Leah Smith, pharmacist and vaccine educator at GSK. And Dr. Smith, why is it that more than half of the country is seeing this outbreak? And why isn't isn't it getting more attention? Is it just getting lost with everything else that we've been talking about? Well, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank you for having me here today and talking to your listeners about uh, this very important topic. And kind of like you alluded to, uh, while we are very concerned about coronavirus, we don't want to lose sight of other infectious diseases that are still spreading uh, during this pandemic. Yeah. So in terms of why it's happening, uh, well, this all kind of started the outbreak anyway. The, the outbreak started out in California and it was first reported among people who were experiencing homelessness. Uh, then it spread to those who were using drugs. And now it's reached a point of uh, to the broader population where mm. it's spreading um, more widespread. Uh, and that's simply because of the way that hepatitis A can spread. And that's through uh, foodborne uh, sources, so contaminated food and drink. So that means that anyone is at risk at, at this point. And so this that's why I'm very excited that you're talking about this with your listeners. So let's kind of step back a, a bit and talk about exactly what hepatitis A is and what these symptoms are. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that, you know, everybody's heard the word hepatitis, but I'm not sure that very many people uh, mm-hmm. understand kind of the details here. Right, right. And, and those are both very good questions. So uh, there are different forms of hepatitis, uh, but hepatitis A is a very contagious viral infection of the liver, uh, and the hepatitis A is a more acute form, and that means that it's a short-term illness compared to hepatitis B, uh, which is a more chronic or long-lasting type of hepatitis, and hepatitis A is spread person-to-person or, like I said, through contaminated foods or drinks, and once it impacts the liver, it can lead to sickness. And that can impact the patient's ability to work or to perform normal daily activities. And over the half of the cases result in hospitalization and even death in some cases. But in terms of symptoms, uh, I do want to note that not everyone will show symptoms when they have hepatitis A. But if you do, something to look out for might be fever, joint pain, tiredness. Those are things that we usually call flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. But a key feature would be yellowing up the skin and eyes. So if you see yellowing of the skin and eyes, that's called jaundice, and that's a key feature of hepatitis. Um, Also, nausea and vomiting or discoloration of your stool. So any of those should result in a a visit to your provider to get a blood test for hepatitis. Stan is a hepatitis A patient who is also with us this morning, and I want to bring you into this. Stan, tell us about your experience with uh, hepatitis A. My experience with hepatitis A has been just a nightmare. Uh, my whole life changed after contracting it. Uh, I was 66 years old, and I was in the best shape of my life. I had just completed a half marathon and really was enjoying retirement. Uh, a few weeks after we were dining out, I noticed I was getting sick off and on, just feeling nausea. It would come and go, uh, but it wasn't normal. Uh, the feelings kept coming and go a lot, and so finally I went to my um doctor, my family doctor, and he sent me to emergency. And in emergency, they uh, told me that the virus had just about destroyed my liver and that I would probably need, which I did, need a liver transplant. Mm. And I was just shocked. I mean, I was in the best shape of my life and all of a sudden now I'm going to get a liver transplant. Yeah. Well, miraculously, I received one in a day, which is, it was just a miracle. Um, after, um, I, uh, recovery, my recovery, it's been four years now. I'm still not out of the woods. I mean, I'm, I'm good, but I still have to take a handful of meds a, a day. Uh, I have to see the liver transplant team constantly. So, um, if I can say anything that will help anybody avoid the situation and that would be get a hepatitis A vaccination, talk to your doctor. You don't want to have to go through what I'm going through right now. 
Dr. Smith, the uh, Stan story uh, just underscores how serious this can be. And at the same time, you know as well as anyone how the word vaccine has sort of become a flashpoint over the past year. You concerned that some of the apprehension or outright aversion to the vaccine for COVID-19 may rub off on others, uh, such as the hep A vaccine, even though there is no relation between the two? Right. I could understand your concern or why some people, you know, might be concerned. But I do want to reassure you and your listeners that the hep A vaccine has been around since the mid 1990s. So we have a lot of experience with this vaccine being used. So we understand its safety and its effectiveness. Uh, so I, I, I just want to make sure that they're they're clear on that. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, only 15 percent of adults have received at least one of the two doses that are required for long term protection. And so that means that 85% haven't even received one dose yet. Uh, so that's why we really felt like it was important for us to, to share this information, make people aware of the outbreaks that are currently happening in 26 states, uh, including in Ohio, uh, and then also make them aware that there is a vaccine because research has shown that over half of older adults, they didn't even know that there was a, a vaccine yeah. available well, for hepatitis and, A. And, so, and that yeah. was, yeah, and that was going to be my next question, you know, is is this something that uh, people, most people have been vaccinated for and not know it or, or you know, uh, as you were saying, uh, the vast majority of people have not. So where do we get more information? Is this something that can be, uh, you can receive, uh, is this a vaccine you can receive uh, just at your doctor's office or, uh, you know, give us the uh, lowdown on this? Yeah. And I do want to give you one caveat. So I mentioned that only 15% of adults have received at least one of the two. Most children and teens have already been vaccinated against hepatitis A because uh, in, two, yeah, in 2006, the CDC began routinely recommending it for children. So uh, once uh, their children and teens, they've probably already been vaccinated, but it's adults that we really have to focus on making sure that uh, you know your vaccination status. And you can talk to your doctor or you can simply talk to your pharmacist, right, uh, about whether uh, they have the, the vaccine or uh, if you're eligible. The CDC recommends that any adult who wants it uh, can receive it. Um, but if you want any additional information about contraindications or information about hepatitis, you can go to cdc.gov slash hepatitis. Again, at cdc.gov slash hepatitis. And we will link that up on our webpage. Uh, again, just uh, an example of, as we were saying earlier, we focus all of our attention on the uh, news of the day. We also have to remember that there are a lot of other things floating around out there that are just as serious that we need to uh, make sure that we are aware of as well. Again, uh, Dr. Leah Smith, pharmacist, vaccine educator at GSK, and uh, Stan, uh, hepatitis A patient with us this morning talking about the importance of hepatitis uh, awareness and thank you both for taking the time we appreciate it well thank you for having thank me. you we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county Veterans services there are some days when we have more broken news than we know what to do with and then there are other days where there's really not a whole lot going on. This is one of the latter. Uh, just a, a slow day in the broken news. However, that being said, we do have uh, one of those stories that uh, is relatively close to home. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. Police in West Liberty, Ohio, Logan County, just to our south, uh, has what started as kind of a uh, simple traffic violation turns into an all-out broken news story. When they clocked Wyatt Strickland, age 39, driving 114 miles per hour on County Road 1. is happened about 6.30 on Sunday evening. 114 miles an hour on a county road. Deputies attempted to initiate a traffic stop, uh, but when uh, Mr. Strickland did not pull over, they gave a short chase, could not catch up with the driver, but he didn't get away. Mr. Strickland uh, was the, the what undid him was not uh, was not anything, any of the normal things. What gave him away was the stench of burnt rubber near the intersection of County Road 47 and Township Road 166 in Logan County. <laughs> the stench of burnt rubber. 
deputies were able to trace the odor to the man's driveway where they found the vehicle still with the hood hot to the touch. (laughs) When deputies knocked on the door, Mr. Strickland came out and admitted to driving the vehicle, saying that he had just picked up a pizza and wanted to get home while it was still warm. (laughs) That's why he was leading police on a 100 plus mile an hour chase because he had a pizza he wanted to get home before it got cold (laughs) mr strickland was arrested and charged with failure to comply obstructing official business speed and reckless operation of a motor vehicle no word on whether he got to finish his pizza before being hauled off to jail (laughs) well who among us can can't relate to that you know Crazy story happened to some uh, golfers uh, recently um, at uh, the uh, at Gorham, Oregon, just outside of Portland. I mean, usually when you hear four on a golf course, it's because somebody's hit a bad shot. But these golfers had another reason to yell four. That's because an air. I'm sorry, Payne, not not Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine. My apologies. The Gorham Police Department uh, says some airplane landing gear fell off of an aircraft onto the golf course there at Gorham. Uh, The uh, police department posts about it on Facebook saying the landing gear with a tire and wheel attached fell onto the fairway of the seventh hole. (laughs) You can let them play through. You can let them play through. Somebody drops a wheel from an aircraft on the uh, fairway, then uh, they uh, kind of have the right of way on the course. They have uh, dibs. Fortunately, nobody hurt in the incident. Police also said the plane did later land safely on its belly uh, at a uh, nearby airport. So that's crazy. Definitely not. That's a hazard. <laughs> That's a hazard. You've got your you've got your rough, you've got your water hazards, and then you've got landing gear on the fairway. That's Normally coming home to a man cooking dinner would be a nice surprise for most women, but not when the guy is a complete stranger and he's wearing her clothes. <laughs> the suspect in this case, Robert Anthony Stumpo, age 35 of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, fled when the homeowner called police. But officers caught up with him a short time later and placed him under arrest. Mr. Stumpo was subsequently charged with one count of breaking and entering. No word exactly why he did what he did. Broke into the house, put on her clothes, and started cooking dinner. (laughs) Complete stranger. She had no idea who it was. Weird. (laughs) And finally, in the broken news... Uh, This is really weird. This may be one of the weirdest stories uh, that we've ever had. Authorities around the country, apparently, are on the hunt for a man who gets uh, excited by hearing librarians read to him. You heard that right. Apparently, this guy has been calling up libraries around the country to get his fix. The report is that an unknown man has been dialing up libraries across the country from a blocked number so he can ask the librarians to read him a specific Supreme Court ruling. (laughs) He didn't want him to read anything, just anything. It is a specific Supreme Court ruling. It is said the man always asks to hear the Brady v. Maryland ruling from 1963. He claims that he wants to write down the information, but is either having computer troubles or in some cases he says he doesn't have a computer so he needs help and that's why he's calling but it soon becomes apparent to the librarian that the caller is not interested in learning why prosecutors must hand over all evidence that could absolve the defendant of wrongdoing that's the case librarians have since turned to their online groups to ask about the nefarious caller to see if anyone else has been dealing with him causing more libraries around the country to come forward with their own creepy experiences. One person does claim the man called her location, and the librarians asked a male co-worker to take over, and that caused the uh, creeper to ditch the phone call. Others chimed in, saying the calls always end with, quote, heavy breathing and lewdness. (laughs) Heavy breathing and lewdness. 
There, there you go. <laughs> that is today's broken news report. Uh, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news, and it definitely is that today, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This has certainly been a political hot button of late. A new poll out yesterday from the Pew Research Center finds that there is a partisan divide in this country over whether voting is a fundamental right. Uh, The survey found that only 32% of Republicans and Republican-leaning voters view voting as a fundamental right for every citizen that should not be restricted, compared to 78% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters who felt that way. Now, note, though, the way it was worded, that voting is a fundamental right for every citizen that should not be restricted. So I think a lot of this probably depends on how you define the word restricted, because that's really where the controversy today Lies. So I'm thinking that this is more a case of semantics than it is the actual disagreement. But uh, further from the uh, from the survey, by contrast, 67 percent of Republicans and Republican leaning voters view voting as a privilege with responsibilities that can be limited compared to just 21 percent of Democrats and Democratic leaning voters who felt that way. Overall, 50 and again here, semantics, I think, is. Maybe to the the culprit here, because when you say voting is a privilege that comes with it responsibilities that can be limited, I think, again, depending on how you present it, you can say, you know, you have the responsibility as a voter to be an informed voter. And perhaps if you are not, maybe it should be restricted uh, at the ballot box. And again, that's not necessarily a radical view in and of itself. So a lot of this is open to interpretation. Overall, though, 57% of Americans view voting as a fundamental right using those words specifically. 42% see it as a privilege using that word specifically. The poll comes, of course, as both sides are battling over voting. Uh, Congressional Republicans uh, and and Republicans in many states uh, trying to Uh, pass voting measures that Democrats see as more restrictive and uh, targeted at uh, making it harder for uh, certain groups to vote, certain Democratic-leaning groups to vote. And uh, on the other side, Republicans accusing Democrats of wanting legislation or wanting rules that make it easier to cheat. So it continues to go back and forth, but I thought that was uh, some interesting numbers there from that Pew Research Center survey. And lastly, this morning to finish up the program, as we always do on Friday, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio this morning with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Kyra, good morning. Good Thanks morning. Thanks for... Uh, being here once again, and thank you for another collection of delicious, perfect for summer recipes. Yeah. We're doing kebabs again. Yes. And we've done kebabs before. Yep. This is uh, not new. No. Nope. Um, and this is a new recipe. But this is a new though. this is a new recipe for yeah. grilled chicken bourbon barbecue kebabs. Yes. Mmm. <laughs> that does sound uh, yummy. <laughs> so, although. Uh, I was surprised at how little bourbon is actually used yeah. in the bourbon barbecue. Yeah. It's almost really just so that you can put the name yeah. bourbon. Well, it gives it barbecue. a taste. It gives, it, gives it, the, it a taste. But the barbecue. I was a little surprised uh, that there was so little actual bourbon in the uh, barbecue sauce. <laughs> uh, but anyway, how do we make the 
grilled chicken bourbon barbecue kebabs. So take four chicken breasts, um, boneless chicken breasts, mm-hmm. uh, sweet onion, uh, 30 cherries pitted, um, McCormick sweet and smoky rub, a quarter cup of maple syrup, a quarter cup of ketchup, two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, one tablespoon of mustard, two teaspoons of bourbon. That's it. Just the two teaspoons. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. If you want to add more, you're more than welcome. It's completely <laughs> Give it a little more kick. Yeah. 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 One teaspoon of cinnamon and 10 skewer sticks uh, soaked in water. So that if you again. you use the wood ones. Yeah. If you use the wood uh, sticks, and yeah. we mentioned this before, the uh, best uh, tip for grilling yeah. uh, using your uh, skewers is to soak those in water. Get them good and soaked. Yep. So that they don't catch, yeah. So they don't catch fire when you put them uh, on the grill. Alternatively, they do have the the metal Metal ones, uh, Mm -hmm. the metal ones, but those get really hot too. So you got to be careful with those. Uh, But anyway, go ahead. Yep. So preheat your preheat your grill to two to uh, medium high. Um, Then for your sauce, combine your syrup, your ketchup, your sauce, your mustard, your bourbon, and your cinnamon. Mix that all together and set that aside. Then Mm -hmm. for your kebabs, cut your chicken, your onion into uh, one and a half inch chunks. Uh, Pit your cherries. The easiest way to pit your cherries is if you have a plastic straw, put that Mm. in the middle and pop out the the seed on the other side. Okay. So it's a real easy way. Real easy way to, to yep, pit the cherries. To pit the cherries. That makes so. them that makes them a little looser on the skewers though. I guess you gotta no, make uh, well you just you gotta make sure poke it through the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh okay yeah. yeah. Poke yeah, it through the that, other way. I You're guess fine. that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So then uh thread your onion, your chicken and your cherries on your skewers, sprinkle with the rub, grill for about twelve to sixteen minutes until they're cooked through. Uh during that last few minutes then you can brush on some of your uh, sauce on your kebabs and uh, mm. let uh, just for a couple minutes on each side, and then there you go. Yeah, that is uh, really easy, but yep. very, very yummy. The yes. grilled chicken bourbon barbecue kebabs. Yes. And then to go along with that, a red potato salad. And I'm thinking, didn't we have this uh, uh, recipe or something similar to it uh, mm, once before? The I don't know. red potato salad? Maybe. I know, I, I I know like you red like potatoes, red potatoes. So uh, I so do a lot done, of recipes with yeah, red potatoes. We've done a lot of uh, recipes yep. with the red potatoes. This is a red potato salad. Yep. So two pounds of red potatoes rinsed and cleaned, a quarter cup of sour cream, or half a cup of sour cream, a quarter cup of mayonnaise, uh, one tablespoon of mustard, one teaspoon of dried dill weed divided, one teaspoon of salt, uh, half a teaspoon of pepper, and three large eggs, hard boiled, and a quarter cup of chopped sweet onion. So cook your uh, potatoes in boiling water just until tender for about 20 minutes, drain in a colander. Uh, Once cool enough to handle, um, cut in half or in quarters, depending on how big your potatoes are. So you're going to cook them first, and then you're going to cut them up. Yep. Okay. Yep. So uh, place in a large bowl, uh, sprinkle with some of the dill weed, and uh, on the sprinkle some of the dill weed on the potatoes, mm-hmm. kind of mix it around, then just sit that aside, and then um, while that's while your potatoes are cooking, you can mix your sour cream, your mayonnaise, your mustard, your dill, your salt, and your pepper. That's your dressing for your uh, potato salad. Um, then add the sour cream mixture to the potatoes. And mix, um, add in your egg, your onion, stir until it's all mixed together, cover, refrigerate for at least hours, uh, three hours, and then serve. Yeah, so really simple uh, there as well. Yep. And so uh, the uh, grilled chicken bourbon barbecue kebabs and the red potato salad for yep. dinner, and then for dessert, we have a Snickers slab pie. Yes, I love Snickers slab pie. slab pie. <laughs> Especially when you have a big group, it, and the slab pie is perfect. So you take uh, one box, your 14.1 ounce uh, refrigerated pie crust. If you like making your own pie crust, that's fine also. Um, if you use the refrigerated one, let it soften as directed on the box. Uh, then for the uh, filling, you have three cups of heavy whipping cream, a package of cream cheese softened, uh, half a cup of creamy peanut butter, a quarter cup of caramel topping, uh, six snicker, snicker bars um, uh, cut in pieces. It'll make about 
two cups. Okay. And then your chocolate syrup, um, and that, that's for later. So heat your oven to 425, unroll your pie crust, uh, place it, place both of the pie crusts like on your countertop, kind of one on top of each other, but you want it to be long enough that it fits in a jelly roll pan. A, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so um, then you're going to roll it out. And uh, so it fits the 17 by 13 inch rectangle. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, fit your crust into an ungreased um, jelly roll pan. Firmly press in bottom and up the sides and then fold down the si- the extra onto the sides and then you can crank it with your fingers right, or however you right. like to do yeah. your crust. Um, then uh, prick your crust uh, with a fork several times. That'll help so bubbles don't form when it's okay. baking. Okay. Uh, bake for 10 to 12 minutes or until golden brown. Cool completely. That's about 30 minutes or so. So again, you're going to bake that just the crust. Mm-hmm, just okay. the crust. Yep. Yep. So meanwhile, in a large bowl, beat your whipping cream with an electric mixer on high until you get the peaks. Um, reserve two cups of your whipped cream um, and then set that aside for topping. You're going to use that as the topping, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. In a medium bowl, beat your cream cheese, your peanut butter, and half a cup of the caramel topping, or a quarter cup of the caramel, to- caramel topping with an electric mixer. Um on about a medium heat, you might have to put it on a little bit higher to kind of, if you have some chunks of either cream cheese or peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you turn it up a little bit, that should get all those out. And then uh, gently fold in your uh, cream cheese mixer in with your remaining whipped cream. So basically, you've got one cup of the whipped cream right. that you are mixing in, right. you're folding in. Yep. Uh, and then the rest the... of it's going to go on top. Right, okay. Yep. So fill... Uh, fold in one cup of chopped your chopped candy bars. Spread that mixture evenly on your crust. Then spoon your reserved whipped cream onto the cream cheese mixture. Mm-hmm. And then spread that out evenly. Then sprinkle with the remaining candy bars. Refrigerate for about one hour. And just before you serve, if you want, drizzle it with some of your extra caramel topping and your uh, chocolate, chocolate syrup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make mm. some, you can make some pretty swirls in there if you want. That is yummy stuff. Yes. Wow. No calories at all, though. Nope. You don't have to worry about that. Because uh, all of Kyra's recipes are calorie free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rest assured of that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. The recipes for the grilled chicken bourbon barbecue kebabs, the red potato salad, and the Snickers slab pie. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect for summer recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. They are posted on our Facebook page, on the WFIN Facebook page, and a link is up to that at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, remember when states began legalizing marijuana, critics said it was the first step down a slippery slope that would lead to efforts to legalize other drugs. Well, now researchers are looking into the potential benefits of LSD, magic mushrooms, and ecstasy, among others. And we'll take a closer look. Until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend, and we'll catch you back here next week.